This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Green to Thompson. Pulls. Finally! Looks at the chase in her crown and says, that was way overdue. You're listening to BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Welcome back. BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Monday reaction to Game 2 of the NBA Finals. Looking ahead here to Game 3 coming up on Wednesday night. Joining us right now to do that on the Roman Guest Line is Alex Christensen at underscore noops on Twitter. Talking some NBA Finals with us here. Alex, uh, welcome back to the show. Happy to have you. So we get the Warriors last night. Winning that game, what stood out the most for you uh, in Game Two as the Warriors even this thing up? Because you know we opened the show today with their defense and what they did, and really the turnovers by Boston. Because you look at the three point shooting, it was kind of even. The free throws kind of even, but that the turnovers and defense for Boston really stood out to us. What hit you watching that last night? Uh, that really was it, and it was mostly the contrast from Game One. Game One featured a lot of Warriors standing, looking at each other, watching Boston Celtics shoot wide open threes. And last night there was a lot more engagement, and I was happy that Kerr was able to do that in a tough way. So a lot of times when teams try to pick up their defensive intensity, you'll see the pace drop. Last night the pace was almost at nine, over ninety-seven, I think almost ninety-eight. So they found a way to not only play better defense but keep the pace up, keep the game energized because Boston likes a slow kind of ugly game so I was curious to see the Warriors make some adjustments to again lock in a little more defensively but not lose kind of their identity of playing a little bit quicker. Alex have you been in on the quarters betting obviously the Warriors third quarter kind of like a throwback to what we've seen much of the last decade uh, last night and and game one as well I mean they are uh, what plus 35 in games one and two combined in the third quarter Um, Golden State ends up winning the first quarter. It was close. Uh, Boston wins the fourth quarter, you know, when the game was a blowout at that juncture. But uh, have you been involved in that? Because it kind of seems like it's been trending, you know, definitely Golden State third, Boston fourth quarter. I've been, I mean, Golden State third quarter, you just kind of close your eyes and bet it. It's bizarre at this point. And they've made adjustments. That line has moved. I mean, during the season, it was, you know, around minus one to minus two. Now we're looking at two and a half, threes even sometimes. It seems to be even interdependent of what the total game line is. And a lot of those quarters um, lines end up being tied to the full game line. But I mean, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it for whatever reason. And this is to me why Steve Kerr is underrated. Everybody talks about how he's gotten all these superstar teams and, well, you know, he just kind of rolls the ball out there and lets them play. But being so dominant in the third quarter speaks to halftime adjustments. They don't come out and crush teams in the third quarter because all of a sudden they're just better. It's because Kern looks at the first half. He knows how to move people around. So that's been a really great bet. Um, As far as the other quarters go, second quarters have been pretty slow for this series. I'm not quite sure why that is. As someone that's had first half unders the first two games, it's felt like a very lucky winner given how the first um, quarter went. So, Maybe something else to look for there, too. I mean, if the first quarter start quick, don't hesitate maybe to grab some first half under once people kind of settle in. Um, What are you expecting in this next game? What kind of adjustments do you think the Celtics will make now that they're going back home? 
I think you'll just see in general better shooting from the team overall. Last night, they just looked a little bit uncomfortable. And this is a young team, and we've seen this all postseason for whatever reason. They struggled to win two games in a row. Now, they did sweep the Brooklyn Nets, but look at all those other series. It's a lot of back and forth. Very few times were they able to put two games together. And you have to wonder if that game two is just a little bit of a letdown. They came in, got the win in game one. They took home court advantage. And not maybe that they weren't totally focused last night. They're professionals, and they want to win every game. But it just didn't look quite like the same effort. I think going home, there'll be a lot more comfort there. I expect Udoka to find some ways maybe to get Tatum the ball on the move. Um, a lot of him catching the ball totally still, and, and that's really not how you want to attack a defense like the Warriors that knows how to work together. You need to be catching the ball while you're moving. I think I'll find some ways to get Brown and Tatum a little bit on the move. Alex, when you look at Clay Thompson, uh, tough shooting night last night. And really, it's been it's been so interesting watching him in the playoffs because up and down, right? He hit some nights, and when they eliminated the Mavericks last round, he looked great. And then last night, even though they won by a lot, he was almost invisible here. Um, do you think Clay is is getting any closer to being the old Clay? Is that Clay gone? Because I I think it's hard to imagine the Warriors winning this series if we get continued shooting like last night for Clay Thompson. I don't think they could win you know three more games if he shoots like that. I think, unfortunately, the old Clay Thompson is gone. He's 32 at this point. He's had two devastating leg injuries that very few people even come back from one. Now, that doesn't mean he's not still a plus on the floor. He can make shots any night. We still see some of those times that three-point shot gets hot. He's lost a lot of his value defensively, and this is just a brutal matchup for him. There is plenty of players on the Boston team that have the athleticism and length to really bother him. If you watch him, he is working so hard to try to get open for even the few shots he can per game. So as much as I like to say, you know, we'll see Clay Thompson, uh, no, we're not going to see the guy who's going to score 30 points in a quarter, and I think he will honestly be continue to be struggle, honestly, to be a neutral player in the series. Alex, 1-1 going back to Boston, the home court, but I'm sure we'll see more road victories in this series moving forward. It's uh, shaping up like it could go uh, the max of seven games. This updated series price, Boston minus 115 at most spots, nearly a coin flip, uh, Golden State minus 105 on the other side. Uh, do you agree with that number? I thought it was a little bit of an over-adjustment. Um, now, to be perfectly clear, I came to the series. I have a bunch of Boston Celtics tickets in my pocket. I played them plus 140 to win the series, minus one and a half games at a nice number, and was really happy with the way they took home court advantage. So the Celtics were about minus 165, minus 170 favorites going into last night. They lost a game where they were underdogs. They still have home court in the series, and we're still looking at you know only maybe a 30, 40-cent adjustment from kind of that series closing price now that Boston has home court. I think there is a little bit of value in the Celtics. I'd have that number maybe a little closer to minus 130, something in that range. I just I think that in general, these playoff series markets are a little funky, and I'm not sure how they're making these adjustments, but I think that's a little bit too much of a swing for Golden State winning a game they were supposed to win and not having home court anymore. What's been your assessment of Jordan Poole? Um, I know we were talking about Clay Thompson, but his props and looking at his performance has been a little up and down. Hard to predict what he's going to do um, in this series. He's another player where, again, just a nightmare matchup in that he's not used to having a team that has a bunch of guys that can kind of stay with him as quick as he is. He's generally a lot more versatile, but this Boston team can really slow him down. And I think what we saw in game one is a little more indicative of what we'll continue to see. Last night, I mean, has 17 points, 
five for nine from three, but still only six for 14 from the floor. Didn't do much else really. And I think that's kind of what we'll see. Some maybe some hot and cold nights. I would maybe look for his overs when they're in Golden State, probably his unders here. The next couple games in Boston, he generally isn't as good on the road. And again, Boston just has a lot of guys capable of slowing him down. Alex, earlier we were talking about the series uh, handicap, the series spread, and, and really the, the total games and, and what you would set as the favorite right now. So we're, look, I'm looking at right now seven games uh, is plus 140. Six games is the favorite right now, plus 135. If, if you had to set it, what would you pick? Would you pick six or seven uh, most likely for this series to end in? pretty close I think that again six is probably where I would go in terms of the favorite because I like Boston and if Boston's going to win this series they almost certainly close it out in game six you just have to remember that dynamic game seven will be at home in Golden State it's not that they can't get there but I think Boston again will be in that game six with a chance to close out the series so I do think we end up in six here Alex the end VP odds are telling us this morning that this is a three-player race. Not not a huge surprise, but you know, after Horford with two points, Smart with two points last night, like yeah, they don't have much of a shot. Uh, the majority of sports books have Curry as a favorite. Makes sense. Warriors win. It's going to be Steph. There is. I, I saw once. I think DraftKings had Tatum as the favorite this morning, which I've, I found pretty interesting. Uh, Brown, he's in that eight, nine, ten range. Any takeaways on the uh, latest MVP odds? I think they've got the numbers kind of right where they need to be. Tatum's probably a little bit overpriced. I wouldn't hold it against you if you want to place a little wager on Brown there. I think that given how good he was in game one, I mean, you look back at that game one, he is really kind of what held that team together and honestly closed that game out in the fourth quarter. So if he can have two solid nights in Boston, I think – you know, if he comes out and scores 25, 30 points in game three, that number's down to three to one, four to one almost the next day. So I think that there's probably some value in that. But at the end of the day, you're right. If Cur- if the Warriors win, Curry's going to be MVP. If the Celtics win, it's going to be really hard for it not to be Tatum or Brown. So the value probably sits with Brown right now. What would you be looking for player props for game three? Um, I want to see what the lineups look like, and I'm curious to see what Udoka does and, and how many minutes maybe they play Robert Williams for. Grant Williams, just all of his numbers have been a little depressed the first two games, and it's hard for me to figure out if that's kind of a usage thing or a Warriors matchup thing, but I continue to like Grant Williams' rebounds over, especially if we continue to have minutes limits here with Robert Williams. Tice played a ton of minutes last night. I think that might be the last time we see him. I hope that's the last time we see him. So <laughs> look, I'm going to look for Grant Williams' overs and things like that. And as we mentioned, now that we move to Boston, look to play some Warriors unders, especially some of your secondary pieces. You know, every postseason we learn this, the role players are generally better at home. And especially in that first road game, um, it's a good spot to look for unders. We're talking to Alex Cruz in here at Brown Bag Bets at Bets USNBA. He's covering it all and he's joining us here talking some NBA finals. Uh, Alex, game three, Wednesday night. So it's a, a little extra layoff here as they travel from west to east. The Celtics open as three and a half point favorites. What's your thought on that number? And, and do you expect this to move at all, either up or down, uh, more towards the Celtics or the Warriors before we get to tip off here? Celtics three and a half point favorites, game number three. It uh, seems like a pretty solid number. Um, it's a big adjustment. You had the Golden State Warriors close as five-point favorites last night, so now the Celtics are three-point favorites at home. That's an eight-point adjustment for home and road, which seems kind of a little funky to me. I know in the playoffs it, it is worth a little bit more, but maybe a little too big of an adjustment there. Overall, though, the spread is just about where I have it. Uh, the total is what looks interesting to me. I think we're going to continue to see totals here in the 210s for the next couple games, and I'm going to keep finding ways to bet unders. I think that this series is 
going to be slow and ugly like kind of what we saw last game. I think game one in terms of the over is a little bit of an anomaly given you know how little effort Golden State had defensively. So I'm going to continue to look at unders. First half under always looks pretty good. And the full game under, maybe I'll play that pregame. We'll see how that number moves around. Or it's been really nice, honestly, live to grab that in the first quarter under. Uh, one prop that, that I was uh, lucky enough to hit both games and I'm uh, wondering if you think I should stick with it. Derek White made threes has been set at one and a half for both games. What in the uh, surprisingly, the juice wasn't too bad in game number two. Um, what, what do you think about that as a series shifts to Boston? I think that's a great look. He's going to only shoot better in Boston. Even with the the changes the Warriors made last night, he still had a couple of nice open looks. For whatever reason, he's just not being respected out behind the three-point line. So until you see the Warriors really trying to run him off the line and keep him from shooting those, go for it. Keep betting that. Uh, big picture, NBA, what was your uh, reaction? Quinn Snyder resigning and the Lakers got their guy with Darvin Ham. Well, I was disappointed that the Lakers made a perfectly reasonable hire. I was really excited <laughs> for like Mark Jackson to come out of retirement yeah. or something like that. As, as a Philadelphia 76ers fan and someone that just has really enjoyed the last 12 months of Lakersness, that was a little disappointing. The Quinn Snyder thing is very strange. I, I wonder if stuff in Utah really has hit kind of a peak in terms of being bad. We know that Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert really have had a contentious relationship. They don't love each other. I personally believe that Mitchell's one of the more overrated superstars in the league. I mean, he's just a classic volume score at this point. So I wonder if you're Quinn Snyder, you take a step back, you look at the landscape and go, let me get away from this situation, kind of get the stink of the jazz off me and then wait for a year. There might be a job in Brooklyn next year. There might be a job in New York next year. Who knows what's going on? So it seems like it's a nice spot for Quinn maybe to take a year, find himself a little bit, and then uh, wait for better, greener pastures next year. Alex, we're a few weeks away from the NBA draft. I don't know if you've dove in or looked at the odds or, or, or up on all this, but just it's interesting looking at the um, the two guys that probably are going to be number one, Jabari Smith from Auburn or uh, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. And everyone seems to think that Chet kind of fits the magic, right? He, he's long, and John Hammond and that front office who used to be in Milwaukee, that's their kind of their type. Jabari Smith, maybe the more productive college player on a really good team last year. What's, yeah, any thought there on that? Because it feels like if you if you do think Chet, and if you're right, there's value on betting Chet Holmgren right now to be the number one pick. Uh, from everything I hear and everything I read in mock drafts, it looks like it's going to be Jabari Smith. And I would be really concerned if I was someone that likes Chet Holmgren. I think that he is going to fall in this draft. I just, I've always wondered why he was being floated around as a top pick. He just... Looks like a lot of guys that we've seen come out of college or even maybe some young Euro players where we just get blinded by this tall guy that could shoot threes and dribble competently. And then all of a sudden he starts to play with other people that are actually his same size and, and things get a little bit different. So I just worry about his game translating. And at the end of the day, I mean, if we haven't learned this over the last five years, it's not a big man league anymore. Get yourself some guards, get some mm -hmm. ball handlers, and then maybe find a rim protector. So um, I think Jabari Smith's going to be the guy. And I'd be worried if I had home run tickets. Alex, we've got about a minute left. Uh, just the NBA draft, betting it in general. We know the opportunity that is there with the NFL draft, and I'm seeing a number of sportsbooks now posting odds on the top five picks in the NBA. Do you like to bet the NBA draft? Is there a lot of value there? I love to bet the NBA draft. It's one of my favorite things to bet every year. Um, you got to do a lot of homework. You got to 
Go through, read all the mock drafts, and read them, not just because their opinions matter, but you'll be able to figure out pretty quickly who knows what's going on and who's just ripping stuff from other people's mock drafts. Do a lot mm-hmm. of homework that way and be respectful of line moves. This is a great opportunity if you have a book. Open them all up. If for some reason someone's minus 500 and 400 a few places and he's only minus 150 somewhere else, somebody knows something. It really is an information thing, so it's a lot of fun. Alex, we appreciate hopping on. Alex Christian on the Roma Guest Line. Get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for EDL from the comfort and privacy of your home. Go to GetRoman.com slash BetQL now to get $15 off your first one. That's GetRoman.com slash BetQL. Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus joins us next right here on the BetQL Network. These Joes are helping you bet like a pro. It's Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth on BetQL Daily from BetQL.